0: Howdy gamers, it's Layton here from Layton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to, in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry. But just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini sods every week, we do some fun videos. Uh, You get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there So without any further ado, here is the audio version of this episode So if you want to do the video version, you can go to patreon.com slash night or not Really, whatever floats your boat. Anyway Episode Either of you could turn any movie into like a Universal Studios ride, what'd you do?
1: Not necessarily a Universal Studios movie.
0: Like a dumb movie to turn into one of those like, oh no, something's gone wrong rides. This might
1: have been done, but I feel like Ghostbusters, if it's not a ride already. I think it has a
0: ride. They did a stage show where they all dance for a while. That was a Ghostbusters thing.
1: That seems plausible.
0: Isn't there a Fast and Furious ride now? Yeah, there is. Didn't they make one? I remember they were building it the last time I was at the one in Florida. I'd love a speed racer. Oh, that's really good. Yes. My brain immediately goes to, like, long, boring movie rides.
1: Like the Paris, Texas ride?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would ride the shit out of a Paris, Texas ride.
1: I've actually never seen that movie, but. It's great. It's very long, and it's very boring.
0: Great. So yeah, get like a Tarkovsky movie. Like this is the stalker ride. This is going to be three (laughs) hours. You're going to come out and we're going to hit you with a Geiger counter and you are going to beep like your heart rate just went dead.
1: I think a Repo Man ride would be great. What was Mm -hmm. the last time you guys saw Repo Man?
0: I've never seen Repo Man. I've never seen Repo Man.
1: (gasps) Oh my. I mean, it's a classic like insane shitty 80s movie, but it's really good. It's got Harry Dean Stanton, young Emilio Estevez, kind of an extraterrestrial plot. It's got that guy Tracy Walters that you see in everything. He always plays like a bum or a crazy guy. Uh, You'll recognize him if you look him up. It's awesome. you got to see Repo Man. And it has an amazing soundtrack. It's like all this punk stuff. It rules. But there's like flying cars and shit. I love that. Yeah, Universal sucks. I love it, but it sucks. I've never been.
0: Wait, you've never been to Universal?
1: I live so close to it, and I've never been.
2: Yeah, Harry Potter's like the only thing anyone really goes for.
1: Right. And that one's supposed to be better in Florida anyway, right?
0: Yeah. The one in Florida is great. I haven't been to the one here. There's like a train in the Florida one. They have their pricey little butterbeer drinks. And it's the whole, like, you buy your wand, and it's like a
1: sensor kind of thing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a real fucking racket over there. Here's my Harry
1: Potter question. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with any kind of tweeting or whatever. We read the first three books with Audrey within the last year. And the question is, when do we pick up the fourth book? Because shit starts to get real, right? Like people start dying and stuff. Yeah. So traumatize her now or wait a bit and see what happens.
0: Something that was cool about them coming out when I was a kid, and I guess I was a little bit on the further end of it, was of like, oh, it ages with you. Right. So I think maybe like wait a year or two. Yeah. I think she could handle it. I never read it.
2: You've never read them? I
0: just don't care about Harry Potter. God, that's so good. I'm really happy for you.
1: I didn't read them because I was waiting to read them with Audrey. I watched the movies. They're fine. <laughs> the books are, it's fine. It's fun. Now there's all this other weird baggage attached to it, of course, which. Yeah. Just makes everything worse.
0: I mean, there's been a lot of revisionism, too, where with J.K. Rowling being a complete shit, everyone's like, well, yeah, the books weren't that good anyway.
2: Oh, yeah. She sucks.
0: She sucks. They aren't incredible, but they're intensely readable books. Why are we all acting like we weren't all into these at one point? Having just read them, they're solid, fun books. Yeah. They have a lot of issues. I want to punch every character because they all suck, but you know, this is a big part of a lot of people's childhoods, regardless of the person who brought those uh, pages into the world. Are people now saying that people shouldn't read Harry Potter? Of
1: course people are saying that, right?
0: I don't know. You could think of any take, and someone on the internet is most assuredly saying it with the utmost confidence, so. I've been on
1: the verge of the last few days of tweeting something to the effect of, I think people should no longer be allowed to have opinions. I agree. That'll go over great. Yeah, right. I just hate opinions now. They're all stupid. Except for yours, which are correct. (laughs) Well, mine are based on fact hmm Every idiotic opinion now has a forum.
0: We should have like a bitch about Twitter swear jar that we have to put a dollar into. A what? Yeah. Every time we bitch about Twitter.
1: We talk about Twitter all the fucking time on here, and I don't know why. Oh. Yeah. Just because we both use it. Are you still on your hiatus, Layton? Yeah. And how's it going?
0: Great. <laughs> I feel more sane. I am more aware of The news now, which is awful because it does really slide by you when you are not looking at social media nonstop, but not having to see all the piddly little comparatively unimportant shit at all times beamed directly into my skull is pretty, pretty refreshing. Yeah. I also think nobody should be allowed to have opinions. And I also think you should have to take like a driver's license test before you're allowed to get online. Like you need to have an internet license. I like that. Prove you can be decent to people.
1: The Ghostbusters thing I was saying before reminded me, I just started playing the video game from like 10 years ago. Have you guys ever played this? Oh yeah. I forgot they made that. Oh, And it's notable because it has Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts. Yeah, they got everyone. It has everybody. There was maybe something weird with Bill Murray that I don't fully understand, but I was a huge Ghostbusters fan growing up. And I remember when it came out, people were like, this is as close as we're ever going to get to like a real sequel, which is no longer true. But still, at least with the original cast, people rave about it. People say it's a great game.
0: Have you been liking it?
1: I mean, I'm like 20 minutes in at this point. But it's cool. It's fucking cool to hear these guys do the voices again. This was such a big part of my childhood hearing actual Harold Ramis, also R.I.P. like, but one of my favorite like Mm. actor, director, comedian types, love Harold Ramis. And just hearing his voice again after you know, he died. Is It's really great, especially as this wonderful character. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. The controls are a little janky. Capturing Ghosts isn't fun right now. It's more annoying. Hmm. But maybe once I get used to it, it'll be fun again.
0: Well, see, that's the true Ghostbusters movie experience. It's, it's annoying. Eventually, <laughs> it might be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, what games have you been gaming
2: on lately? Uh, I just started playing for the first time Psychonauts, which I'd never played before.
0: Oh, that seems so up your alley.
2: Yeah, I knew people liked it, but I'd never played it. My girlfriend, she's just like, you got to play it. And I was like, okay, because the second one was coming out and she wanted to play it with me. I will say I rushed through it quite a bit because I was on stream, but there's like a lot of characters you're supposed to talk to as like the game progresses and like you'll discover like subplots about like a murder-suicide pact and all this crazy stuff. But as far as games go, like this game's like 16 years old. Oh shit, that old? Yeah, it did so much stuff first. Like, Mario Galaxy, like, running on the surface of, like, a planet or, like, an object. Psychonauts did it first. The best way to describe the game is it's, like, a classical 3D platformer adventure game with a psychological, like, crazy spin to it. Like, everything is about going inside the minds of people and trying to fix them and, like, deal with their demons in, like, uh, visual metaphors. It's really, really interesting and it controls really well. They got a sequel after, like, 16 years. Just came out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something else I have to play before the sequel, apparently. They made a VR game that apparently bridges between the first game and the second game. Oh, wow. But I haven't played that yet. I haven't started the second one yet.
1: Where can you play... The first one? Is it on Switch
2: or something? It's on Steam. Apparently, it's being nerfed a little. Like, apparently, the last stage, which is just called the Meat Circus, there is like no checkpoints in it. And the level itself is, if I was to play that with no checkpoints, I think to get to the final part of that level, it was like, Jesus, like a 25 minute experience. Oof. But then, apparently, in the Steam version, because so many people complained about how old school hard it was, they added checkpoints to it. So I can't even imagine trying to beat that game. Back in the day, it would have driven me crazy. But yeah, it was really good. Good difficulty curve, really interesting plot. Cool. The protagonist is, I'm trying to remember his name, Richard, whatever, the voice of Invader Zim.
1: Oh, um... Horvitz, is that right? Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, apparently he was the voice of the robot in Power Rangers. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Aye, 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 ay, Zordon. That one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about the Power Rangers. I know absolutely nothing about the Power Rangers. Oh. I think I'm too old to have gotten it on the first swing? Because it's like late 90s, is that right?
2: Yeah, I actually just watched a whole thing on the original Power Rangers and how fucked up it was. Like, you know that originally like all the monster footage and stuff is like from Japan, it's like a different show.
1: Right, 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 yeah. And
2: then they took it and they Americanized it, created some teenager characters that would go along with their plots would tie into like the monster fights and stuff. One of my favorite facts being the Yellow Ranger is an Asian woman. And when she's fighting, it's a Japanese man because you can see his package in the <laughs> yellow Ranger Sentai suit. Uh-huh. But apparently, they were all getting $600 a week for Power Rangers. Uh-huh. And it was a non-union production. And when they finally stood up to the production company and were like, we want more than $600 a week, they're just like, no, and then they just replaced them. Like, just, they, they oh edited God. them out of the show. It was the Red Ranger, the Yellow Ranger, and well, the... Uh, it's pink? No, I think it was a Black Ranger, I think. I might be wrong. And apparently it was, like, not great. And, like, the Blue Ranger wanted to leave the show, or did leave the show because he was gay, and apparently the crew were all, like, ripping on him for his sexuality and stuff back then. Pretty nasty production, apparently. Jesus.
1: And this was American or Japanese?
2: No, this is American. Just two shows. There's the Japanese one, which they bought the rights to use the footage from Uh for the monster fights and everything. And then there's the American stuff, which is just the teenagers at high school. That's why, like, the suits, you'll see the Green Ranger suit be, like, this crappy foam, shitty shoulder pads. And then it'll, like, cut to the fighting, and it's just, like, excellent, like, carbon fiber, (laughs) like, armor. It's because the, like, wardrobe department for the American one sucked compared to the Japanese one. And the best thing about them buying the rights to that footage was that they also bought the rights to the action figures from Japan, Mm -hmm. which were already leagues above what was being distributed in the United States for action figures, like we're talking like He-Man with like one point of articulation that the arms could just go up. Like yeah. when they realized what they were sitting on was like a gold mine of Japanese toys. Because I had them, I had like the Blue Ranger and it had articulation here, it had articulation here, the wrists, it was like oh, wow. no toy I'd ever seen up to that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Power Rangers, man, that was a wacky show. That was a wacky show. Is it good? Does it hold up? It's fun. It's goofy. I actually think that there's a lot of really funny stuff. You can watch stuff as an adult now, and there will be things in the shot that don't make sense because they've clearly like Frankenstein, the episodes together with Japanese footage. And when you watch that as an adult, you start to notice stuff that just makes no sense. Like a random child standing <laughs> somewhere. like it's it's just <laughs> weird. It's so weird. Uh-huh. It's a blast to watch now as an adult, but not because it's good. It is amazing. Some of that stuff,
1: I am of an age where I grew up with all the Hanna-Barbera shit mm-hmm. and maybe not the first ones, which I guess were even late 60s. But by the time I was in the mid 80s, all that shit was in reruns and all that stuff. And if you had asked me when I was 10, I would have been like, this animation is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so great. And you watch it now and it's fucking awful. It, it just stands out how
0: That it is.
2: Very, very cheap.
0: But as a kid, it's magic.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, all those characters had neckties for a reason, you know, you know the reason? (laughs) They had to separate the head from the body so it was way easier to animate.
1: Yeah, I remember being scared by Scooby-Doo episodes, absolutely scared by them because of some ghost, you know, some spooky thing or something like that.
0: Do any of them stick out specifically for you? Like, was there a particular Scooby-Doo villain that really got a baby, Brian? You know,
1: because it's literally always the same plot, I cannot remember a single villain sure. that yeah. stands out as any individual thing. I remember something about a carnival. I remember you love Scrappy-Doo until you hate him because at first you're like, oh, cute little puppy. And you're like, Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up.
2: Yeah, that dog's annoying.
1: <laughs> yeah, Doug's dog's very annoying. Scooby-Dum, I remember, who is now a you know very unflattering caricature of a country bumpkin. Scooby-Doo's brother, cousin? Wait, scooby Dumb, Scooby-Doo and scooby Dumb. yeah, right? I've never heard of Scooby-Dum. I could be wrong. I believe Scooby-Dum wears like a straw hat and has kind of a mustache. What? Oh my God. I might be making this up. Am I wrong?
0: No, this totally exists. Oh my God, yeah.
2: He looks like an idiot.
0: Brian, do you want a Funko Pop of uh, Scooby-Dum?
1: To add to my vast collection of Funko Pops, which is to say, I don't have any. That's a good first one.
0: For people who are watching the video version on our Patreon, you can see the rest of Brian's garage, right? But if you turn that camera around, wall-to-wall Funkos, it's crazy.
1: And you can't take any of them off or the whole thing collapses. Yeah. And they're all (laughs) Scooby-Doo. It's the same Scooby-Doo figure. Yeah, I remember scooby Dumb. The voice, it's like the Cletus voice from The Simpsons, yeah. Sort of. Kind of goofy. And well, I'm not doing the
0: country accent well, but <laughs> I don't know why I went to there. You made an attempt. It's a Monday. Yeah. The impression calibrations are automatically off on a Monday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There were all sorts of stupid minor Scooby-Doo characters. The other thing I remember, I think about this all the time, is there used to be a Saturday morning cartoon called The Heathcliff and Marmaduke Show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know who Heathcliff and Marmaduke are. Yeah. They had a brief foray as a pair. I think the theme song was sung by like, Scamp and Crothers or something like that. And I remember, Heathcliff and Marmaduke, what a wacky pair. A rough little, tough little alley cat and a lovable lap dog as big as a bear.
2: What was the one about the guy and he took proton pills? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, not Adam Ant, was it? No, it was like a guy and he had a huge chin. Oh, yeah, I found it. It's called Roger Ramjet. Did you ever watch that? No, actually, you know what? I don't think I did. It was a cartoon that always aired in Australia, I think because it was cheap. Was it American? Yeah, it was American. I think, at least.
0: I recognize the little guy.
2: Yeah, Roger Ramjet. And he took, like, these pills, and the pills helped him get strong. So he would dope. (laughs) He was a superhero who could only be powerful when he took, like, something that looked like Ritalin. It was really weird.
0: Oh, this guy, yes. Wow. Roger Ramjet just in the pocket of Big Pharma.
2: Yeah,
1: Ross, did you have Saturday morning cartoons? Was that a thing
2: in Australia? Yeah, yeah. So we had this show that ran in Australia called Cheese TV, which was our like morning cartoon show, and I'm pretty sure they ran on the weekend too. But like they had like Yu Gi Oh! Dragon Ball Pokemon, and then Biker Mice from Mars, Ninja Turtles, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, but once anime hit the mainstream, that was all they aired, as I recall
1: at least when I was growing up. During the week, it was nothing. It was just like morning shows. And then on Saturday specifically, it was like nonstop cartoons. If you got up too early, it was fucking Davy and Goliath, mm-hmm. which is just horrible. And then at some point, it was cartoons from like 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I was a kid during the prime era of 80s Saturday morning cartoons. And we were talking Rubik the Amazing Cube.
2: I remember that. I think you showed me
1: that. Rude Dog and the Dweebs. It was like a skater punk dog who had this group of friends called the Dweebs. These were fucking important to me. Oh, the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon.
2: Oh, yeah. The opening. What does he say? He's like, Ranger! Ranger! <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's a great opening.
1: Did you see there was like a fan finishing of the final episode of Dungeons & Dragons?
2: Wait, what?
1: Yeah, it just came out. By the way, watching this cartoon. Have you ever seen this, Layton? No. Okay. There's a little kind of hobbit-type character called the Dungeon Master. Other than the font and the name of Dungeons & Dragons has nothing to do with anything you might consider Dungeons & Dragons.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: It's about these teenagers that go on a, like a roller coaster and then get zapped into some alternate... Dimension where their primary foe, Venger, has got one big horn. It's like a Sauron type of character, and they're dungeon masters. Anyway, you never find out if they get back to the real world. It's sort of like a land of the lost thing, yeah. Which is another reference that dates me, but they're always trying to get home, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I started to watch it and I didn't finish it after whatever, 40 years or something people went back based, I think, on notes from an original script that never got produced and made the episode. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, dude, I loved this show as a kid. It was like my favorite thing. I wouldn't miss an episode. Now that's one where I I remember very specific things from.
0: This makes a lot of sense for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is cool to see a lot of studios deciding to, like, finish cartoons that they never gave an ending to. Like, Samurai Jack got one. Invader Zim got one. Apparently, Hey Arnold got one. I never saw it. Did it really? Yeah, like, his, he found his parents or something. I never saw it. What? Yeah, like, there's a whole movie. And there's a Rocko's Modern Life film, too, I never saw. Right. But, like, for some reason, like, Nickelodeon Cartoon Network were just like, we got all these old properties. Let's just, like, wrap them up. Mm-hmm. Or give them a modern spin. It's
1: fucking... Great. I mean, when they turn out good, it's great. Otherwise, it's like, well, this might have
2: been better. Yeah.
0: I mean, it seems like a smart move on their end of like, oh, everyone watch this. We can throw out this Mm -hmm. actual finale and then get that (laughs) streaming money.
2: Yeah, true, true. If there's any cartoon that I want to come back, I want King of the Hill to come back and I want it to be in modern day. And I want like Hank to be a Trump supporter and Bobby to be a a liberal. (laughs) I want that so bad. I want that so bad, dude. That would be great.
1: That show rules. I yeah. love that show. It is... It's so good. I remember when it was on, I thought it was the best animated show
2: on TV by a mile. It's so funny. I never got it because you got to keep in mind that when it came on television in Australia, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's weird <laughs> <Yeah>. American shit. <laughs> Makes sense. But then after living in the U.S., because I didn't grow up with any of these tropes or like archetypes of characters. So, when I finally moved to the U.S. and then I watched it after like a few years, I was like, this show's amazing. Yeah. So funny. Like, Really funny.
1: Really, really funny. And I think when it first came out, it was Mike Judge's first thing after Beavis and Butthead, right? I think it was, yeah. Or at least first animated thing. Maybe he had office space in between there. I can't remember. Anyway, I remember when it came out, people didn't like it as much because it wasn't as quote-unquote edgy as Beavis and Butthead. And it was like, well, you know, it's a character-driven thing. It's not a mm-hmm. gag yeah. joke machine.
0: And it has such, like, legitimate pathos to it in a way that a lot of those other shows don't, where, like, Simpsons can get, like, sweet sometimes, but it's always, like, a wink-wink kind of sweetness, whereas with King of the Hill, there's just, like, such legitimate emotion there. Like, all the shit with Luann right. really gets me. Yeah, God bless her.
1: The land stuff is amazing. Kathy Najimy is incredible as Peggy. She's yeah, such a great performance. Peggy's a monster. She's a complete monster.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. She kidnapped a child from Mexico. She's a bad person. <laughs> she's a bad person. Like you can't watch that show and come out the other side thinking she's a sweet mother. She's not. She's a hundred percent horrible human being. All right. Yeah.
0: We are canceling Peggy Hill today. Yeah. Got her.
2: Oh, my God. If it comes back, she has to get canceled on Twitter. That has to happen. (laughs) She would
0: have
1: a Karen moment, right? Where she loses her shit. Oh, my God. At like a Costco or whatever.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. She would have to have a Karen moment. Peggy goes viral for being a Karen. Doesn't understand why everyone's calling her Karen.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. I want that so bad, dude.
1: (laughs) If you brought it back, would you age everybody up?
2: Yes. Oh, 100%. Like, I'd want Bobby to be like a mid-20s liberal. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Bobby, like, listens to Chapo Trap House and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I think it would be a really good show if they wrote it correctly. There's so many shows they've managed to bring back, like Animaniacs. Like, that show, next to Samurai Jack, I think one of the best returns to the original format. I don't know if you watched it. I didn't watch the new one, no. The first season is surprisingly very, very, very good and very true to the original one. It even looks like it somehow. I don't know how they did it so well. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of cartoons, this came as a shock to me. I think when you hear this coming out of my mouth, you're not going to believe me, Brian. But do you know they did a Star Trek cartoon? Not the original, the recent one, the Lower Decks thing. Have you heard about this?
1: Yeah, the two cartoons, right? There's the original one where they just animated old episodes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
1: there's the new, the Lower Decks, yes.
2: Right. So Lower Decks, I watched the first episode of, and I was like, this is garbage. And then I never gave it a chance, right? I did the same thing. And I have two friends who write on that show. (laughs) Right. I actually know people who are on it too. And, you know, I would never tell them this, but I'm telling them now because my opinions changed. I watched that first episode, didn't like it. And then a few of my friends who are very, very big Star Trek fans, they're like, dude, you got to try it. Like, it actually becomes one of the best modern day, like, TNG era Star Trek, anything. I'm like, really? Really? And they're like, and I watched it up to the second season, a hundred percent. If you like TNG, if you like DS9, which you know I do, it is so good. The first few episodes are kind of like, eh. but then it just like escalates to a point. Gibby and I was just couldn't believe it. You got to try it. I will watch it. I slept on it for like so long. And they make like legit references to stuff like the old show. Like
1: I heard they brought the, uh, I can't remember the name of the race, but the Darmok and Jalad race back.
2: Yes. Do you remember that shitty robot that became sentient? It was like a little ball. Oh yeah. They bring one of them back. Like it's so passionately made. I highly recommend it. Okay.
1: I literally didn't finish watching the first episode. Yeah. It's bad. That's how much I tuned
2: out. The first episode's terrible. It just gets, like, way better.
1: Have you watched any of the other new ones, Picard or Discovery?
2: I watched Picard. I wasn't super thrilled by it. Same. It was cool to see the TNG cast together and just being like, wow, this is cool to see them together again. Yep. But... It was too serialized. uh, It didn't land. I'll still watch it, and I'm going to watch the next season because Q's in it. I love Q. Yep. So with
1: Picard, I thought there was one legitimately great episode, which is the one where... They're all hanging out at, like, the lake house. Yeah, I love that episode. That one's great. Everything else was like, I guess. (laughs) And it has so many cool actors in it. Allison Pill's great. Like, all sorts of great people just didn't add up. Yeah. If you care about non-stupid plots, don't watch Discovery. Because the plots are just, like, it's super serialized.
2: Yeah, I have no intention of giving it a try, to be honest. I've never heard one person rave about it.
1: I like a lot of the individual actors, which is what I will say. Like, yeah. Sinequa Martin-Green is fantastic as a lead. She's a super compelling main character. Anthony Rapp is great. He's got a very interesting scientist character. And he's in a great relationship with the doctor on the ship. A lot of the individual actors are awesome. David Cronenberg shows up as a character in a couple episodes. Huh. Love to see it. It's amazing. Oh, and Doug Jones, isn't it? He's the best character on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, Doug Jones plays a new race called a Kelpian, or I think it's a new race. He's the best character on the show. Hands down. And he's also Doug Jones, so he's like a walking broomstick. And he has yeah. this weird physicality.
2: Hugely lanky dude, yeah. Hugely
1: lanky guys and, you know, full-on alien makeup.
0: What's Doug Jones been up to lately? Do either of you know? Well, that.
2: No clue. I met him once. He's a very tall dude. Where'd you meet him? Just some party thing? Just some film set.
1: Yeah, yeah. Other than Star yeah. Trek, I don't know. I'd imagine that's still taking up a lot of his time. He probably has to spend like six hours a day in makeup yeah. just to be this... Fucking alien. The level of
0: patience required.
1: Yeah, but okay, I'm going to check out Lower Decks. You know, it's one of those things, again, because I know people on the show, I'm sure you guys do this, you stop watching something so you don't have to dislike it.
0: Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of shows that you start from the very beginning, like, I think that if every show you didn't like from the first episode you stopped watching, you would never watch any show. Any show. Pilots that are legitimately fucking great. Like, even the ones that are extremely good, like, say, the Sopranos pilot like even though like they haven't worked things out yet. Yeah. Did you just do a jerk off motion while I was talking about Sopranos? I scratched my chest.
1: Let me show you the difference. Here,
0: <laughs> here, pull in on me.
1: There we go, all right. This is a scratching my chest. Uh-huh. This is a jerk off motion, all right? If you make contact with your clothes while you're doing a jerk off motion, I mean, what are you doing? That's upsetting. Brian, I just you didn't like- didn't hear to- this, listen, listen to this. Can you, can you hear this? <laughs> no. Can you hear that? No.
0: Stop
2: ripping your nipples.
0: Yeah. Cause now this has become something else.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to prove my point. I would never, Layden, I would never make a jerk off motion while you were talking. It'd be so disrespectful. And you know, I value your time and opinion.
0: Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Jarek, do not cut out that silence, please.
1: Yeah. Leave that in, but also make sure to leave in the thing about me saying I didn't make a jerk-off motion, which is definitely true.
0: Can you cut it out so he's saying that I did make
1: the jerk-off motion? No one has that level of audio editing capabilities. I did make a jerk-off motion. Fuck you.
0: On the subject of jerking off, should we introduce this show?
1: Sorry, I was, I was scratching my nose. Did you think that was a jerk-off motion? <laughs> Maybe when I rub my nose like this? Does that look like I'm jerking off my nose? I mean... See? That's a nose jerk-off motion. you see how it's faster? This is so great for audio listeners. I don't care about them.
0: (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to Late Night with Brian Wecht. Wait, you're the one who usually says that, right? Yeah. Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome to Late Night with Brian Wecht. This is Leighton Gray. Hi.
0: The one who was just doing uh, jerk-off hands was Brian. It's me. And our special mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself?
2: It's me, Ross. Great. So cool.
0: Moving on. We're very glad to have
1: you. Yes, thank you for doing this. Glad to be here. Oh, you know what we talked about once a while ago, Ross? The Orville. Have you watched that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Orville surprised me. Same deal. It was lower decks. Like, I wasn't quite sure about it at first, but it it got better. Yeah, I really, really liked it. And I am
1: not the world's biggest Seth MacFarlane fan, but I thought it was genuinely pretty great by the end.
0: Who and where is Seth MacFarlane's biggest fan? Who is that person?
2: Him. He's his biggest fan. That's a good point. Probably the executives at Fox are his biggest fan. They're giving him like a bajillion shows. <laughs>
1: Very true. But oh yeah. Okay. So what I was going to say is you were talking about first episodes, first seasons. I just rewatched the Venture Brothers pilot. Oh yeah. Oh, how's it hold up? I love the Venture Brothers. That pilot is not great to the extent where I wouldn't even include it. It should be an extra, I think, not the actual
0: pilot in the run because it
1: feels so tonally different than the mm. rest of the
0: series. I haven't seen that first episode in a while. Like how different is it when you say tonally? Like, it's the same sort of vibe. You know, it feels like a pilot. It feels like they're still getting
1: various characters and stuff in place. And it just doesn't work as well as the rest. Mm. The show itself is amazing.
0: What would be best TV pilots for you guys?
1: Mad Men is up there.
0: Oh, Mad yeah. Madman is
1: a really good pilot.
0: I'll also posit True Detective season one. Yes. It's very good. You
1: know what is really, really good? And everyone's fucking talking about it, and it's almost a cliche at this point, but the Ted Lasso pilot. The what? Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV, and it is about an American football, American football coach, who goes to coach a soccer football team in England. And it's Jason Sudeikis and a bunch of people that you've never heard of, all of whom are amazing. It's fucking great. It's positive- and optimistic, but not stupid. You've lost me at positive and optimistic.
2: You lost me at football.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Here's <laughs> the thing. I could not give two shits about any sport. And I was immediately hooked. Really what anchors it, Jason Sudeikis is Ted Lasso, and he just has this great central performance where he is, he's this guy. He's like, he's a Southern guy, and it's all this vibe, chipper. And it pisses some people in his world off because he's too happy. And it's just great. It's a really well-written show with mostly a British cast. And they get some real ringers in there. The central antagonist of season one is this woman, Hannah Waddingham, I think is her name. And she's a theater actor, musical theater. And she's this like seven foot tall, terrifying blonde lady. You know, she's extremely intimidating. She's gorgeous.
0: I'm back in.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And she's just fantastic. She's a pseudo villain. You know what I mean? Like, she's a well-rounded character who's kind of the main engine of all the bad stuff. That's fun. Yeah. I love it. We actually went to a Ted Lasso thing this weekend because a local ice cream shop was having, because it's an Apple thing. If you paid with Apple Pay, you got dollar ice creams. So we went to get dollar ice creams.
0: That's a little grim, but sounds
1: nice. Grim? Like, gr- define Grim. How is that Grim? Dollar ice creams?
0: Oh, I don't know. An Apple promotion? Like, go over here and you get your ice creams. It's dollar ice creams. Do you not want my
1: daughter to have ice cream? Audrey can have as much ice cream as she wants. Well, then I should be able to pay as
0: little as I want. I wanted to understand our role as cogs in the machinery of late-stage capitalism, but, you know, ice cream. Layton, it had nothing to do with capitalism. It was
1: a for-your-consideration promotional event. Name <laughs> one thing that's capitalistic about that.
0: <laughs> You're right. You beat me. You got it.
1: And all I had to do was sign up my credit card, attach it to my phone... And pay with my phone. I see no problems. It's basically socialism. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's fine.
0: Ross, have you watched anything fucked up lately?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, I like that pause.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I really like that pause. We
0: like a pregnant pause.
2: Do you know about Chris Chan and the documentaries? No.
0: Wait, Brian, do you know anything about Chris Chan?
2: No. Chris Chan is the true and honest creator of Sonic Chew, the electric hedgehog Pokemon.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about like the Christian religion.
2: No, I'm talking about Christian Western Chandler. Joke. The joke did not. The guy who planned, created Sonic Chew. Okay. So what happened?
0: You're Ross and Leighton. Explain what Christian is.
1: What? This is a real thing. Yeah. I don't understand how I missed this. I guarantee I probably saw something at some point, but. It's a spectacle.
2: Wow.
0: But that counts as fucked up, Ross.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm catching up on that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about horror all the time. Are you a horror person, Ross? No, I'm a huge baby. That's what I thought. Really? My girlfriend is, but I'm not. I'm a huge wiener. Layton is a big
1: horror person. I mean, I've watched a bunch, but not that much. I can't handle violence on screen. I get too upset.
2: Violence doesn't bother me. I just don't like to be spooked. Like, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch something and convince my
0: brain that it's fake, mm. essentially, if people are actually getting hurt. Do you want to trade brains? Because <laughs> I feel like I would have so much more fun with movies if I could just be like, oh, no, their head really is getting chopped off. Oh, no.
2: The kind of violence I love is like John Wick kind of violence. You know what I mean? Like action movie violence. Horror movie violence, like maiming and torturing, I'm not not like super fond of, but I'll laugh my ass off at like a really elaborate murder-kill sequence. Yeah, like Evil
1: Dead 2, great. I can handle it, no problem. I think it's amazing. Mm
2: -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. that
1: style thing, zombie stuff, no worries. Anything tortury, like I've never seen Saw
0: Oh, I've
2: never watched Saw.
0: Oh, everybody calls Saw torture porn. It's not torture porn. Everybody calls Hostel that too, and they're fucking not. I've seen torture porn movies. There's nothing you can
1: say to me to get me to watch Hostel, ever.
2: Yeah, there's no appeal to me.
0: You don't need to watch Hostel. Hostel is like, fine. It's perfectly acceptable. But you told me that
1: Eli Roth was your favorite, quote, auteur.
0: How dare you throw this at me? How dare you say that shit on this show?
1: I'm just saying things you said to me.
0: Neither of you have seen Saw. No. No.
1: I never saw
0: Yeah, We did this bit like two weeks ago. I don't think so. Anyway, Saw is really good. I think you would like it. You watch some people doing some gross shit. It's more of like a
2: thriller than a horror. Is that right?
0: Yes. I
2: prefer the parody that has Dr. Phil and (sighs) Shaq. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that
1: really a thing?
2: I think it was Scary Movie. Am I wrong? They did a parody and it was Dr. Phil and Shaq and they were like in Saw and like Shaq killed Dr. Phil or something. I can't remember. I remember laughing at it. That sounds appealing.
0: Yeah, this is in Scary Movie 4. What the fuck? I've <laughs> yeah. never seen this.
2: You haven't seen that? I never watched the movie, <laughs> but I love the clip.
1: I love the idea of Shaq killing Dr. Phil. I mean, that's very mm-hmm. appealing to me, I have to say. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I can't believe I've never seen any of the scary movies, but I get the feeling I'm not missing out on much. I saw the first one, like
1: it was the kind of thing, I was saw another movie and then just walked into it because it had like 45 minutes left mm-hmm. or whatever. It must have come out in like 2099 somewhere around then.
2: Yeah, I was 13 or 14 when it came out and I was not old enough to go and see it. So I asked my parents to bring me and my friends to go see it. And we were hysterically laughing. Like, we thought it was the funny shit, stuff that we all knew about. But of course, my parents were just going beat red from the fact that they brought children to see this movie.
1: Oh, they were with you? God
2: yeah, they're bless. with us. And they're like, we're like so embarrassed to be there, and so embarrassed to be there with like 13, 14 year old kids because they had no idea what they were getting into. And when we got home, my mom was really upset. And <laughs> she was just like, got my dad to sit down with me and my sister and just like, Okay, so uh, we didn't know what this movie was going to be. <laughs> um, what you just saw was borderline pornography, and uh, the real world isn't like that. Until that. And it just did me this fucking pep talk about scary movie. I was just like, ha ha ha, F- breastplant implant girl, her boobies popped. Very funny. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, borderline <laughs> pornography? Yeah. Wow. Is that the one? My
1: memory of that, and it might be a different movie, is the guy comes so hard that he shoots a girl into the ceiling or something.
2: hmm What?
1: Yeah, it's like he hasn't come for the whole movie and then they have sex and she like blows through the ceiling or something. Yeah, that's my memory wow. of that.
0: a fatal nut.
2: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, well, that is borderline pornography, you have to admit.
0: I needed to find more like garbage, like just noise content in the background. And I realized that I had not seen the original CSI since I was a child when I was obsessed with it. Oh, wow. This is not surprising at all. I would come home from school every day for like a long time as a teen and immediately be like, all right, CSI, let's go. And so I've been rewatching it. And God, that show is, I would argue, maybe the perfect amount of bad. It's so funny. Like every joke that we have made about CSI and like how we do stupid forensic shorthand in TV and movies, it's like so blatant from episode 1. It's just like amazing, like stupid science bullshit that's super fake and they're all this sort of thing where you can guess what hard-hitting line they're about to say and say it at the exact same time of like, "Oh, how did you how did you know that that I stabbed my boyfriend and like he's standing over the body and William Peterson like turns to the camera and is like, "He just told me." Like, god, <laughs> incredible. I've never seen a single episode is that the
1: ultimate lower sunglasses show?
0: That's CSI Miami. Miami. <laughs> the original CSI is CSI Las Vegas, but just called CSI. And I remembered that my favorite episode of the show from when I was a kid, that jangled in my mind, which is the season five finale, turns out directed by Quentin Tarantino.
1: Really? <laughs> it's hmm. a two
0: parter directed by Quentin Tarantino. He directed a CSI? Yeah.
2: Where their feet in the app? Oh, that's a good question.
0: Honestly, I bet there are. One of the guys on the CSI team gets nabbed and put in a coffin underground, and then it's like a big search to get to him before he runs out of oxygen.
2: Which he didn't kill, Bill. Did you guys hear Quentin Tarantino shit-talking Bruce Lee recently? Oh, because of the
0: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing with the fight? Yeah. Which was already inherently him shit-talking, and then he just doubled down.
2: Yeah, he's like, I hated Bruce Lee. And like he said something hilarious. He goes... He was punching all the stunt guys really hard with his feet. And I'm just like, motherfucker, you love feet. You telling me you haven't heard of kicking? Punching people with your their-
1: <laughs> You fucking idiot. That's a community joke also, right? Is it? Kick puncher, his punches feel like kicks. That's like the movie that, or the series that Troy and Abed are obsessed with in community. Kick puncher.
0: Oh my God, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, right. His
1: punches feel like kicks. That Bruce Lee thing was dumb. Like, come on, guys.
2: He's a weird dude.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe sometimes shut up. You're very good at making movies, and we all know, and you know, but sometimes you should stop. I've heard from a couple
1: people whose opinions I trust that his book, his novel, The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book, is actually
0: pretty solid. Everyone loved Once Upon a Time. Jory finally watched it, and he really liked it. And like that's my ultimate seal of approval of like, well, if Jory liked it, I'll probably like it, and I
1: just can't. It's fine. I saw it at the Cinerama Dome, the Arclight. Of course. When it came out, I went at, I don't know, it was like 11.45 a.m., and everybody in the theater, it was just me and a bunch of other like middle-aged white guys who all went to see the Tarantino movie at 11.45, and it was good, but I don't know, I just didn't really care about it.
0: Yeah. I don't doubt that it's good. I just have such a weird mixture of feelings for Quentin Tarantino where like Kill Bill and Kill Bill volume two are like two of my favorite movies and I watch them and like every frame I'm like, God, this is good. God, I want to kick Quentin Tarantino in the nuts. I want to kick him. And you know what? No, he a doesn't know what kicking is and B would like it too much. So he would love that if you a little smack
1: took off your shoes and kicked him in the nuts. He would love that Layton.
0: He would need to pay me for that.
1: I have a fee. I mean, I think we could probably set that up. It's true. Mm. Yeah, he just bothers me. He he seems very annoying.
0: I do constantly think about him with the one interview where the woman is like getting on him about violence and asking him why he's so obsessed with violence. And he's just like, because it's so much fun, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is. It is. He's right.
1: A lot of the violence in his movies, I can't handle. Really? I couldn't watch a solid half of Django Unchained. Like it just felt too brutal. It was too upsetting to me.
0: Well, I've definitely, like, walked myself back from talking about certain media that I enjoy on this show. Because, Brian, I know that you'll be too upset by it. You don't have to worry about my feelings. Okay. Do you want me to talk about, like, the four books that I read this week about people being kept in sex dungeons? True crime shit?
1: Oh.
0: I mean, as long as it's not the one I wrote.
2: <laughs> you know what? You just reminded me something. Yes. What? Speaking of sex dungeons, so... um You and I have been trying to get a home recently. And uh, we just looked at a place the other day and it had this terrifying staircase down at the basement. And in the basement Mm -hmm. was like a bomb shelter. Oh, wow. And they were like, yeah, we're just trying to sell the house really quick. Yeah, we're just trying to sell the house really quick. And And we're like looking around like, this isn't a bomb shelter. There's like a drain, but no toilet. (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. what is this? And- we're like, I think this is a serial killer's house. And then we went up and asked, and then we looked around the property, and there's like barbed wire all around where that bomb shelter was. And we asked the guy, and he's like, yeah, you know, he was an eccentric guy. He was an enge- engineer, and you know, he... he, he, he. Yeah, it wow. was a bomb shelter. It's like fully fully realized. And like, is it sustainable? Because like, we didn't see a toilet in there. We didn't see anything. He's like, oh, no, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, we're just trying to sell it. We're going to sell it by the end of the week. I'm just like... That's a murder dungeon. Like that was an actual murder dungeon we just saw. I got picks, by the way. An engineer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know who else was an engineer? Fritzel. I read a book about the Fritzel case. I don't even know who that was. He was an Austrian uh oh god. Oh, oh that guy.
2: And the kids hadn't seen the sky before. Mm. That was terrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. He kidnapped his daughter and kept her in a dungeon that he built for 19 years, and she had seven of his children. Yeah.
2: Oh my God. Is there been a follow up with those children? Like,
0: no. So I've read a lot of these books this past week. I read one about JC Dugard, I read the one about Fritzl, I read one about David Parker Ray, the toy box killer. And the Turpin family, that's like a semi-recent one because that was like 13 kids that their parents were obsessed with Disneyland and the parents would go to Disneyland and the kids were like changed to beds in their house. What the fuck? Anyway, they're all very exciting, just fun summer beach reads that I'm sure are doing great Mm. things for my mental health. But uh, they're fascinating and it is nice seeing like the follow-ups on the kids who have like gotten out essentially of them being like, yeah, I had fresh fruit for the first time and it was awesome. Oh my God. It's... Insanely grim, but there is a nice little upshoot at the end, I guess.
1: There's an old Emo Phillips joke, my favorite stand up, which I've mentioned many times on the show, where he says, You know, when I was growing up, my parents always used to tell me, Emo, never go near the cellar door. Don't go near the cellar door. And then one day, after years of being told this, I ran to the cellar door and I threw it open. And I saw the sky and the sun and trees. Good bit. Yeah, that's a good book. Shockingly, he tells it better than I just did.
0: (laughs) If anybody's interested in any of the books that I just mentioned, they're all written by John Glatt, very readable, true crime author who's written about a bunch of cases. They're very like true crime paperback, like just whip through it and see some horrible shit and then you read a book.
1: Cool. Should we move on to segments? Sure. It means we're transitioning to the next part of the show, Ross.
0: Ross, you appear agitated. Are you okay?
2: No, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good.
1: Because there's nothing to worry about with these segments. Have you heard this show before, Ross? No. Good. You are sure you don't need a break? Should I get one? No, 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 no. We, <laughs> we, it's better if we just move on. Is something bad happening? No, 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 nothing. Ross, Nothing. no, nothing bad is happening. It's just we're moving on to segments. Let's go. So our first segment. This is our pop culture recommendation segment. It's called What's Pop? Now we've talked a lot about media and stuff we've been watching or whatever so far on the show, but you get to explicitly recommend one thing, book, album, video game, whatever, movie, doesn't matter, some pop culture thing that you like, and Leighton and I will do the same. But the whole point of this segment, other than the recommendation part, is that okay? So you're aware that I'm a musician, right? No. Okay. Well, I am. I'm in this band called Ninja Sex Party. And I'm in another band called Starbomb.
2: I'll check them out someday.
1: It's not worth it. Another band called Go Banana Go, which is my kid's band. But my point is I've been writing music for you know close to 30 years of my life. And when we created this podcast, so I do all the themes for it, some in collaboration with Layden, We had this segment, and this was an early segment in the podcast. And we were like, you know, we wanted to be professional. We started off a little loose. And, uh, sorry, I'm just gonna take a drink. <laughs>
2: it's a big sip. It's a real good
1: touring mug. That's much better. We wanted to be professional, so we decided, like many other podcasts, rather than just having a loose conversation, Happening, we wanted to have some proper segments that could, you know, differentiate the second half of the show from the first half. So I wrote this theme song for it. And the goal with the theme song, which you'll hear when I play it for you, is to really drive home the professionalism of this show. You know, I don't try not to put too much ego into the show, even though my full name is in the title. Leighton name, of course, is there too, Leighton Night even though her last name's not Knight. But I wanted to, I should say, make sure that people knew, you know, just get a little bit of my musical voice in the show rather than my actual voice, right? So that's what the impetus. Usually, I know most works of art, you shouldn't contextualize so much, but I feel like this actually will be more impactful with this extra context in front of it. You seem to be nodding a lot, which I love. It's very encouraging, the vibes I'm getting from you. It's very supportive I really, really, really like it. The pace of nodding is is great. The problem whenever you play or show someone something that you've made is, is sometimes people aren't open to negative feedback. I am very open to negative feedback, but in this case, it's not even relevant because you're gonna hear this thing and you're gonna immediately fall in love with it. I can send you if you want the clean audio file of it after the show, after we're done recording. I could even actually text it to you while we're recording if you love it that much, which is definitely a possibility and it has happened in the past. Probably not, but you're going to like it no matter what. So the theme song I'm talking about, I feel like you might have lost the thread uh, a little bit here. The theme song that I'm talking about in question is the theme song for the What's Poppin' segment. And this is the segment where we get to recommend a book, a movie, (laughs) a video game, or what? Layton is smiling. Sorry, I was responding to a vibe there. And I'm going to play that theme song for you. Uh, in just a second, as soon as I take another drink. You know, I like this real good tour. Oh. You know what? The mug wasn't open. All right. Here we go. Counting down to the theme song in 20, 19, 18. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. 17, I'll be right back. 17. 16, 15, 14. 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3,
0: God, I hope he doesn't come back. Yeah.
1: Can't this. 2. One: Play.
0: What's popping?
1: What's popping? All right, And that's the what's- Poppin theme. Mm-hmm. What did you think? What was happening? Uh, the what's Poppin theme? I'm just asking you what you thought. What was that? The what's Poppin theme? I'm just asking you what you thought. I can't hear you. It's the what's Poppin theme. I'm just asking you what you thought. Huh? Yeah, the theme to what's happening? I'm just popping you what you thought.
2: What? <laughs> Here.
0: We can't hear you, Brian.
1: It's the theme song to What's Poppin'. I hear it. All right, what'd you think? It's pretty good. Cool. Success, Layton. What's Poppin'?
0: Don't throw to me. You always say that.
1: How am I supposed to know to not throw to you if every time we if do If I tell you every time that I don't want you to, to throw, to, throw to me? How, how am I supposed to? No,
0: I would just like to point out that I think Ross going to the bathroom in the middle of the What's Poppin' bit is the best a guest has ever dealt with this fucking psychological gauntlet. I
1: don't know what you mean by a bit.
0: That was the ultimate, like, big dick move of, like, I'm just going to leave. You know, we would never
1: keep someone against their will.
0: Yeah, we always respect the listener and the guest's time. This is something I
1: tell Danny a lot, is, to me, there's a friendship trident, and it has three prongs. The three prongs of the friendship trident DRL, distance, respect, and love. And that's what this bit is about. What's popping for me this week is an HBO.
0: No, mini-series. Ross, what's popping? Ross, oh, wow. what's popping?
2: I recommend uh, Netflix anime, Doro Doro. It is a grungy fantasy anime, it's like a post apocalyptic world but there's another like dimension where the wizards and like magic users live and they just kind of use the real world as like a testing grounds for magic and kind of torture and maim and like do experiments on the populace of the post-apocalyptic world like turn them into giant cockroaches and like mutilate them and stuff nice and the protagonist is this character named Kaiman he's a man with the head of a lizard and His whole shtick is he's trying to figure out who cursed him to be half-man, half-lizard. And the way he finds that out is by capturing magic users and eating their heads. And when he sticks their faces inside his head, a man will come up out of his throat and tell the wizard if they were the one that cursed him. He puts them in his head... And the man comes out of his throat and says, you're not the one. He pulls him out and he says, what did the man in my throat say? And they're like, he said I wasn't the one. And then he just like snaps their neck. But it's like extremely gory and it's very grungy and punk. Sick. And it's got like a lot of very like Alice in Wonderland kind of visuals. The manga is by a female manga uh, artist and she's incredible. This is like a pretty, apparently pretty old manga. It's a 3D anime, which I'm not normally into, but like so good. One of my favorites. Of recent years.
1: Is it a Netflix
2: original? It's a Netflix anime. Characters are super lovable. The art style is like really unique, and the female characters in the anime are like incredibly cool. It went viral on Twitter for like this super muscular girl in the anime who like wore like a skull mask and then you thought it was a guy and then she took off the mask and it was like this really brawny girl and she's like one of the coolest characters. She's fucking awesome. Classic. I highly recommend it. This looks cool. Sick.
0: Yeah, that art style is really neat. Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me is uh, there's a little movie called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and I watched that over the weekend. Had you seen that before? I had not seen it before. Wow. What a treat. That that surprises me, honestly. Yeah, my like old classic movie, knowledge is pretty thin. So I figured that would be a good step in that direction. I just love a washed up child star uh, going nuts and torturing her sister in a house. I mean, anytime you can like start describing a plot of a movie and then be like, yeah. And then basically they just get Stephen King miseried. I'm in. I love it. Yeah. So I highly recommend Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Classic. Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. Good shit.
1: Have you seen Feud? Betty and Joan?
0: No, I haven't.
1: It's really great.
0: Is that the newer thing with like Jessica Lange or? Yes. Jessica Lange and
1: Susan Sarandon.
0: I really need to watch that because I picked up a book about their relationship that I was going to read because I also was watching Whatever Happened to Baby Jane in preparation for watching Mommy Dearest, which I'm going to watch with Vernon tonight for research purposes. I'm very excited to watch Mommy Dearest. I've just been watching clips from it. And what a delight.
1: Yeah. You should watch the Betty and Joan thing, the feud. The acting is fantastic. I mean, it puts Baby Jane into a lot of context because the relationship between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford is wild.
0: Yeah, like they truly, absolutely hate each other hate in that scene other. where Joan is just like getting the shit kicked out of her. Like Betty Davis is not holding back, like fully going for it. It's wild. Good shit. Great. Cool. Old movies. Uh, uh Brian. What? was
1: popping? What's popping for me, it's a song that was performed on Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, by a fake country band called Memphis Kansas Breeze, which is two members, Drew Tarver, who you've seen in a bunch of TV stuff, I think he's on the other two, and Carl Tart, another comedian actor type guy, and their shtick is they write songs about trucks, about throwing birthday parties for their truck, and they have one song I'm going to throw it in the chat. We'll all press play at the same time. All right. So this song is called Human Skin Truck, Baby. And it constantly runs through my head. All right. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. So that's Human Skin Truck, Baby. Delightful. And when that thing kicks in, when they get to, please kill me, I'm constantly (laughs) in pain. Why do I exist?
2: Oh, That's my... uh Second favorite song about trucks. What's your first, Ross?
0: Two trucks having sex?
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a classic. Any bit that suddenly turns into Please Kill Me, it hits me every time. I'm thinking of like a specific Simpsons bit where something in the classroom is like, Please Kill Me, and I don't remember what it was. The Simpsons bit? I think that was the Harry Potter parody, right? There's like a frog or something.
2: Like, Please kill
0: me. Yeah, yes. Yes.
2: I might be wrong, but I think it was Treehouse of Horror where they were doing Harry Potter and they made something and it just like was a fucking abomination. It's just like, it's abomination. Yeah, I remember that.
1: <laughs> Always funny. I agree with you, Layton. It is a great bit. And when that song goes from Truck Baby to Please Kill Me, I'm constantly in pain. It's the catchiest part of the song. So for the last week, I've been walking around with Please kill me. I'm constantly a pain. Why do I <laughs> Just going through my head. Bloop, bloop, bloop. That's good stuff. That's what's popping for me this week. All right. We have another segment on the horizon here. Layton, would you care to introduce
0: it? It is time for our final segment, which is called Peaches and Lemons, which is three-part gratitude exercise and one-part petty grousing. And the theme song goes here. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. See, Brian, I'm respecting our audience's time. We're back from the theme song. I feel like I should do no is the fuck up. Lemons introduction from now on. No, I, I don't Maybe? think. Maybe? Just spin no.
1: ideas? No.
0: So we're each going to start with a lemon. And we each have a lemon, which is a thing that's kind of a bummer. Such as a co-host that's fucking annoying. That's a hypothetical lemon.
1: I don't have one of those. I have an amazing co-host who I respect. That doesn't sound relatable to me, is my point. I'll do mine first. So I saw uh, a friend recently that I hadn't seen in a while. I'd done a favor for this guy, I don't know, a year ago. And he said, I've been holding on to this thing for a year. It's for you. He gave it to me. It's a Raspberry Pi, you know, in those little circuit boards. And he put a uh, MAME on it with every, like, cabinet, NES, SNES game on it. And he put some stuff in the front. He put clips from NSP videos in the front as, like, a thanks for doing this thing. And it's so cool and the USB ports do not work. And so I can't play any of the games on it. And it's this very sweet thing from a friend, but I don't know how to actually use it. So that's my bummer.
0: That's fixable,
1: right? It's probably not that hard to fix. It might just be, I had the wrong type of USB controller.
0: Yeah, that should be fixable. I'll do another lemon. My lemon is that I read a lot of books on my Kindle, which I think is a great little thing, holds a lot, battery life's great. When you design an e-reader, You want to design it so that there's a natural way that you hold one, right? Which is like this, you know, like a book. And your pinky goes on the bottom to support it. Yep. So you know what would be a really great idea for the single button on this device? Let's put it exactly where your pinky goes. Do either of you have a Kindle? No. This drives me fucking bananas. You can't turn it upside down. There is one button and it is exactly if you want to rest it on your chest, you're going to hit the button. You want to hold it like this, you're going to hit the button and it just locks the screen and you're done. So I don't know how you fuck it up that bad. Just put it literally anywhere else other than the literally only place that it should not be, which is where it is. That's my lemon. Good lemon. Ross, do you have lemon?
2: So I got this fucking cat. <laughs> mm. He's great and all, but Kipper He's a little beta male, and Orf just knocks him out of the way and takes his food. So in order to make sure he actually can eat, we've had to put his food there. See that little silver thing? Yes, I see it. That's his food ball. So we have to put it up this high so that Orf, our larger cat, can't jump up there and take his food. But because he does that and he has to eat up there, I can't fucking get any of my figures to stand up anymore because he just barrels through them like an idiot (laughs) and knocks everything over. So I just have all these figures on a shelf. Fucking 60% of them are just knocked over now. And I'll I'll fix it and the next day I'll come in and then I'll be knocked over again. That's my lemon.
0: That was pitch perfect. It was completely
1: perfect. And the camera work on that is, I mean, just next level. Thank you. Probably the most exciting visual we've ever had on this show.
2: Having a DSLR camera with just like a hookup to your computer, it's so good.
0: All right. We'll each do three peaches, which are things that are nice, good, we're excited about, big, little, small, doesn't matter, just something nice, three
1: of them. All right. I'm going first. Peach one. I just got back from a writing retreat with Danny and our producer. We went to Carlsbad, California, just north of San Diego, and got a house near the beach and started on the new NSP album. And we wrote some really fun stuff. And we went swimming in the water every day. And, well, not Dan, because he's not much of a swim in the ocean guy. But Jim and I did, and it was lovely. And I saw some friends in San Diego, drove down there because it wasn't too far. And we did some great work, and I'm very excited for the next original album. And it was just a nice break to get some shit done. Hell yeah. Peach number two, I was on the New York Times Wordplay Live Solve today and solved a Monday crossword with them. And we talked about this show on it. And it was really, really fun. You know, Leighton, you and I have been solving these crosswords for a while. And uh, we talked about that. And it was interactive. It was streaming on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter through some like Periscope type thing. Uh, I did it with Deb Amelin, who's their wordplay editor, and she was great, and it was just a lot of fun. Awesome. It's like the thing you do every day. I do the fucking spelling bee on New York Times every goddamn day, and I do the crossword puzzle a lot. And having this thing be like, hey, be a part of this, a thing I've been doing since I was a child. I started solving the New York Times crossword puzzle with my mom when I was like a tween. It really meant a lot, and we had a great time. So that was fun. Yeah, and they have a VOD of it, so everyone can watch. And uh, yeah, fuck it, I'll do two NSPs. We got physical copies of the new album. Congrats. We are starting to sign them, and it will come out. We're, we haven't put a date on it, but probably October sometime. It's always a sprint. I'm sure you guys are like this with projects. Like, No matter how much fucking prep you do, there's always shit that's like going wrong at the last minute, and you're not sure it's happening until it happens, and it happened. So we have albums, and we're signing them and it's gonna be really cool. Congrats. Thank you. All right, so Ross, do you get what the structure is?
2: Yeah, do you wanna see mine? Yeah. Okay, so this is the world's most expensive toaster. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a Mitsubishi toaster from Japan, right? Yeah. This thing is incredible. It's been scientifically designed to make the perfect slice of toast. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know how it works, it's magic. So you got all these options, right? So you can actually like toast, like toppings on your toast. So you can put like a fry an egg on top of it. So you can like put like a ring of mayonnaise, crack an egg onto it, and you get this like beautiful like breakfast thing. Nice. And the crazy thing about it is, it only does one slice of toast. (laughs) And then once it's done, the one slice of toast, there's a 20 minute cool down before you can do another slice of toast. Because it needs to cool down. (laughs) Really? Yeah, but it does toast so well that this is $300 through this toaster.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now online.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. It's like, I've never had toast so good until I got this. And everyone's like, that's an easy bake oven. No, this is a toaster. Literally, it has saved my life. Before stream, I will like make amazing toast. I can put like cherry tomatoes, cheese, egg, whatever I want, it's perfect. It makes the best breakfast I've ever had in my entire life. This is a $300 toaster.
0: Wow. wow. What got you on the $300 toaster train?
2: My friend Ultrive, he got one and he was yapping about how great they were. And I thought it was hilarious that it was uh, $300. So I got one. <laughs> and then um, he was telling me how it was a 20-minute cool down. So uh, for his birthday, I bought him another one. So he has two of them now. So he doesn't have to worry about the cooldown anymore. The reason I did that is he helped out with my Twitch subathon recently. So I decided for his birthday, I was going to buy him another toaster. So yeah, the $300 toaster toaster—it's the greatest thing I've ever bought in my entire life. That's incredible.
0: Have you tried like a variety of breads in it?
2: Yes. There's some bread that it's not so much designed for. Like a brioche bun, it just can't do because it's like a weird consistency.
1: No one should be eating brioche
2: buns anyway. They're fucking awful. Yeah, right? But, like, if you go to Little Tokyo and you buy that, like, really nice, big, fluffy bread, like, that's what it's designed for.
0: Milk bread. Like,
2: this thing is built for, like, a salaryman who lives alone and needs to make a toast breakfast and run with the toast in his mouth to his office job. Like, this is for a Japanese lifestyle. But as a Twitch streamer, I got to start stream. I can make a delicious toasty breakfast, eggy toast, in a matter of, like, three minutes.
0: Do you put the slice of bread in and then like crack an egg on top of it? Is that how it works?
2: Yeah, yeah, so imagine this, right? It has like water vapor comes out of it when it's cooking. Like if it's older bread, not like bad bread, but like it makes it brand new again. Do
1: you have to put water into it? No, no, not at all. That's just the moisture in the bread.
2: Yeah, but basically what happens is you put the piece of the bread here and then I like get a bit of cupy mayo and I like put it around oh. the very edge, right? To create like a mm-hmm. little like dam wall. Mm-hmm. Then I crack an egg onto it, and then I close it. You got a setting here for toppings, right? Mm -hmm. And then you set it to toppings, the thickness of the toast. So you got like four for the thickest, eight for the like thinnest. And then you set it for like what color you want the bread.
1: Wait, that dial goes from four to eight? Yeah. That's interesting.
2: I love this toaster. It's like the best purchase I've ever made. And I know everyone's like gonna be watching like one slice of toast. Bitch, you can put so much toppings on this. It it, (laughs) it feels like you've had eight pieces of toast with the amount of toppings you can put on this thing. It's incredible. That's
0: why it goes to eight.
2: Also this like wood finish. It's very classy. It's classy.
0: What's the craziest thing you've tried to make with it?
2: Later, I'm gonna put pizza in it and see if it can bring the pizza back to life. Mm. I'm a little worried about that one. That seems iffy.
0: But what if it works and you've discovered the way to truly, in three minutes, save pizza from a sad little pizza death?
2: I think it could do pizza, but I don't think it could use any of the pre-done settings. I think I'd just have to keep constantly lifting it up and checking, lifting it up and checking, because I don't think that it has an option for pizza. But I think it could bring pizza back from the fridge. Wow. (laughs) I think it could do a better job than the microwave. Nobody
1: should be microwaving
2: pizza. Pizza goes in the oven. Reheat pizza in the oven.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. But if you're trash, you get a cup of water, you can get a paper towel, you put the paper towel over the pizza, and you put the cup of water in the microwave, and then you nuke it. And it's like, it's pretty okay. Uh, I'm going to say cold pizza
1: is better than microwave reheated pizza.
2: I agree. I agree. There's also one that I've learned of. I've wanted to try this out. My friend Cade swears by it. French toast a pizza.
1: Dip it in egg?
2: Yeah. And then fry it. What? And apparently, it's incredible, apparently. I've been wanting to try it for a while. That does sound great. Do
1: Australians put egg on pizza?
2: Egg on pizza? Do we? Europeans do. Like slices
1: of a hard-boiled egg on pizza. That's what I mean.
2: I have no recollection of having that in Australia, but I wouldn't doubt if it existed as a topping.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a thing that we saw in, it seemed pretty common in England and especially in other parts of Europe.
0: Hard-boiled egg on pizza seems weird, but like a regular fried egg sounds great. I
1: am fully down with the hard-boiled egg on pizza. I've done it myself when I made pizza. It's great. Sick. Anyway, congratulations on your toaster. Actually, hold on. Since you said the word egg, you have to talk about the fucking egg thing at least for 30 seconds.
2: Oh, the egg-a-thon? Sure. The story behind that is that in August of 2020, I've been playing Final Fantasy 14, A Realm Reborn, the MMO. Excellent game, by the way. And I was waiting for Gibi to wrap up watching Hannibal with her friends over remote viewing. And uh, I was sitting in the hub town of Limsa, for anyone who actually plays the game. And these group of individuals came up to me, and they traded me a stack in-game of eggs. And one stack like in your inventory of eggs is 999 eggs. A lot of eggs. And all these eggs do is, if you eat it you get a 3% increase to the amount of experience you get from killing monsters. So pretty minor, right? Eating a lot of them does nothing. It just restarts the timer on that buff. So these random people expected me to eat the eggs. So I didn't back down, and I just started eating them. Every egg you eat plays a 2.5-second-long animation where you go, like, oh, and then you have to wait 2.5 seconds before you eat another egg. So I posted on Twitter that I was eating a stack of eggs in-game and that I was currently down to like 685 eggs. And if you wanted to come watch me, I'm on this server in this location. Suddenly a big crowd of people swarmed around me and I had like a fucking just massive crowd of people around me like cheering. And I was just like, this is insane. So I started posting the updates on Twitter, just like a shit post. Like I didn't think anything was going to come of it. It took me an hour to eat the stack of eggs, right? So I went to bed. I woke up the next day, started a stream, and I'm told on stream that all the like game press outlets had all covered this. I was
1: like, what? Dude eats eggs.
2: Yeah, right. I was just really confused why this was news. Then two months later, there was an interview with Yoshi P. He's the director of the game. And essentially... In this interview, someone asked him, like, hey, do you see much role-playing in-game outside of Japan? And he was like, I typically play in the Japanese data center, so it can be somewhat difficult to see people role-playing outside of Japan. This guy does not speak English firsthand, but there was something I found interesting. I believe this was picked up by the media as well, but I'm referring to the story about the guy who kept eating boiled eggs, laughs. That particular anecdote reminded me that you never know what will happen in an MMORPG, and that's what makes it so much fun. So the director of this game in Japan heard about me eating eggs, and I was just like, what the fuck? That's insane. Like, (laughs) what? Like, there's Japanese press outlets covering me eating eggs. Like, I was so confused by it. So... Because my girlfriend and I are moving soon and, you know, moving is expensive, I was like, I should do a subathon because I've been taking a break due to uh, personal stuff from streaming and I wanted to get back into it. I was like, I'll do a subathon thon because those do great on Twitch. And I pitched the idea to my girlfriend that I would be eating an entire inventory of eggs. I think it's like 141 inventory slots in one character's inventory. I think the full total of eggs is 138,836 eggs, with each 999 stack being an hour. And then as a part of the subathon, every 1,000 subs, I would add another stack back to the pile. I thought that maybe it would take like three to four days. It ended up taking seven days of eating eggs. (laughs) And once again, it was covered by the news cycle it just became this whole spectacle. Like, we're making a video right now, which is like a feature film about how I ate eggs for seven (laughs) days straight. Uh, I had to watch all seven days' worth of footage at two times speed to, like, get all the moments down. It was absolutely insane. Uh, Like, the Final Fantasy Twitter was, like, talking to me and, like, acknowledging the fact that I was doing this. And it got so bad on the first night. I thought my clever workaround, because I didn't want to get carpal tunnel, right? Yeah. So my solution was... I'll get voice commands. I could just say egg and the character would eat an egg. I got a foot pedal. I had an audio loop that I recorded of myself saying egg. So I'd point the microphone at the speakers and it would just keep the character eating eggs, right? So I was like, that's my solution. That's how I'm going to sleep at night. (laughs) What I didn't realize was that in order for that to work, the audio has to be loud enough that the microphone can pick it up. And I'm sleeping on stream in the same room on this couch here. So the first night was utter misery. Like, I could not sleep because I would keep waking up to the sound of my own voice saying in this <laughs> off-rhythmic tone, just egg, 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 like every 2.5 seconds. So I was driven crazy. Like, I had earbuds in trying to listen to music to sleep through it, and I was just ruined by this fucking thing. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah, the next day, my friend Dave, he goes by Dave Kapp. uh, he's one of my moderators. He's a very talented programmer. He told me, like, hey... I've written a program for you called egg.exe and it'll interface with Twitch chat. And whenever you're away or sleeping, Twitch chat can just type egg and it will make your character eat an egg and there'll be a counter and everything. So that was the solution. So, uh, you know, at night I would go to bed and I would put on egg.exe and then chat would turn into Twitch eats eggs, basically. The first night was hell, then the rest of them were like, it was fine. And there was a whole bunch of like wacky stuff that happened throughout, like my stream going offline while I was asleep and everybody trying to wake me up, but nobody could wake me up for like two and a half hours. (laughs) It was like a whole thing. In the end, I got to like 11,000 subs, which on Twitch, if you don't know, 10,000 subs, you've now officially unlocked every single emoticon on Twitch. So now your Twitch sub is worth as much as like XQC now because you have as many emoticons in your Subscription package as he does now, which is crazy. So it was very good, and now I've got a lot of emotes to draw. But it was a an experience, <laughs> and so great, dude! Wacky and weird. The video is going to be hilarious because there's so much weird shit that happened throughout that week.
1: What a fun idea! Congratulations! It's
2: <laughs> it was very wild. So uh, I just got to think of something equally as stupid to do again next
0: time. <laughs> what a delight!
2: Huge news! My third peach of these cool sunglasses I bought. I just like them. They
0: look amazing. Ooh, Thank you.
2: I got new sunglasses. The
0: gold bridge is like very trendy. I'm into it. Cool. I like them a lot. Yeah. Bladen? My first peach is that I had my first pumpkin spice latte of the season. Oh, Christ. It's a special time. Congrats. Thank you. I'm happy you're happy. Oh, uh, Do you want to try to be a little bit more passive aggressive about that, Brian? I am happy you're happy. I hate
1: pumpkin <laughs> spice and everything associated with it, but I'm glad that it makes you happy.
0: Okay, thanks. It was really delicious.
1: There's nothing passive-aggressive about it. That's just expressing joy for a friend who likes something I don't.
0: (sighs) All right. Peach number two is that I not only passed having read 50 books for 2021, I just passed 60. So- Amazing eat shit, everyone else. Um, not not really. I don't mean that. Read as many or as few books as you want. I don't recommend reading this many books. It's just too much content. And then my third peach is yesterday. I had a nice lazy Sunday with the gamers and watched movies and drew stuff. I love friends. I love to be around friends. That's fantastic. Those are my three very brief peaches. Great. And that means it's the end of the show. All right. Ross,
2: thank you for being here. This was really fun.
0: Thank you for having me. It's good to see you, man. Appreciate it. Ross, where can people find you online?
2: Twitter.com slash rubber ninja, YouTube.com slash rubber Ross.
0: Yeah. And if people want to see your egg stream, they can just go to your Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash rubber ninja.
2: The story of the egg thing will be on YouTube.com slash rubber Ross hopefully soon, maybe before this goes
0: up. I don't know. Um, but soon. Mm, awesome. Sweet. Well, Ross, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Layton. thank
1: you for being here.
0: Thanks, Brian. Audience, thank you so much for being here. And as always, you know, we like to mix it up on the end of this show and say a bunch of different things. So... I don't know. You can stay safe and come hard. You can be vibing, thriving, and surviving. You can keep it flirty, fun, and fresh. Whatever you want to do, I don't care because it's the end of the episode. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.
1: Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night or email us at Night at gmail.com.